All right. Oh, this is a sinker. Hi, everybody. Good job on that. Well done. The capital of Australia. The motherfucking big time. We've done shows in other cities. No, thank you. We don't know why you're the capital, but you are the goddamn capital. Look at how nervous Dave is. Look at how fired up this guy is. Look at that. Woo! Energy. Oh, my God. You're listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is an American history podcast uh, where each week I, Dave Anthony, read a story from American history and sometimes Australian to Blue Shirt Guy. Thank you. Whose name is Gareth Reynolds. And I have no, shut up, and I have no idea what the topic is going to be about. Yes. What a time. And tonight, sir, sir, sir. Tonight, in the capital of Australia, we have a guest. Please give a warm welcome to the fabulous Jen Fricker. Let her hear it, everybody. Yes. There she is. Hands free. Yep. I like this. It's up to you, however you want to roll. We, the dollop, are brought to you in part by Squarespace. What is Squarespace, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. It is an all-in-one domain, website, online store, marketing tool, analytics, website, situation. I have been working with Squarespace uh, since like 1942. When I was first looking to make a website, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what I was doing. And then I came across Squarespace. Super easy to use. Looks really great. The templates are awesome. Yeah, so many different ones to choose from. And they look clean and they look crisp. They're very nice websites that you can make. Uh, and you can get whatever you need done. So we have uh, the dollop sources on Squarespace. Uh, Gareth has his website on Squarespace. I have mine. We also have the dolloppodcast.com where you can go and find your, your ticket links for our, our upcoming tours, which are this week we will be in Boston, New York, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C. So you can get tickets right now. And you can find that on Squarespace on our dolloppodcast.com site. But they got everything you need. Domains, marketing tools. You want to do a little marketing. You want to do a little email marketing. You want to do banners, promotions. You want It's all there. It's all happening. They got tons of analytics. They got 24-7 award-winning support. You don't have to patch. You don't have to upgrade. Take our word for it. I know a lot of people say, don't. Trust me. Take our word for it. You're going to want to use Squarespace. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to squarespace.com slash dollop for a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch... Use offer code DOLP to save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. July 11th, 1916. (laughs) Year of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Edward Goff Whitlam. 
<laughs> You've got an audience of pinko lefty scum tonight. Yeah. What a full-on dirty commie audience. <laughs> Was born in Kew, a suburb of Melbourne, Australia, in Kew. on the stolen land of the Wawrinjeri people. His mother was Martha, and his father was Fred. Nice. Got any funny things to say about that? Yeah. No. <laughs> Edward's maternal grandfather was also named Edward. Nice. So at a young age, he started going by his middle name, Goff. Is that a common Australian name? It is? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> some say yeah, some... What's that? Okay. Older generation. Of the 1916 generation? <laughs> Are you bullshitting? Okay. All right. You reckon this 20-year-old in the front row no, is yeah, bullshitting I mean, about this? Listen, I'll buy anything. I'll buy, you can tell me anything. <laughs> uh, Goff was very slow to speak, but when he finally did start speaking, he came out big. He told uh, his dad a joke, and Goff said, quote, or his dad told the joke, and Goff said, quote, that was a good one, father. That's the first thing he said. <laughs> Came out f just full sentences. His dad, his dad's like, look, if you're going to talk, like, uh, enjoy the bit. That was a pretty good joke. <laughs> He's like, very droll, Papa. I'm creased. <laughs> In 1918, Fred was promoted to deputy crown solicitor and transferred to Sydney. And the family settled in the North Shore, and Goff started school at Chatsworth Church of England Girls School. No judgment, but... Um, very progressive, really. Yeah, is that... Yeah, it's very progressive. That, were they so progressive, they were like, we can't ask any questions, so here you are. Um, it actually wasn't uncommon for boys to start their primary education at a girls' school back then. Sounds to me like it was a school. <laughs> I think the problem is in the specificity. <laughs> it's a girls' school with boys. Right. To, again, I'm just going to push back a little bit. I call that a school. Well, technically it is a girls' school. Right. <laughs> I don't want to fight. We're early. Like, let's, let's make this a good situation. But again, you know, that's uh, a... <laughs> fuck you. His school reports noted his very lucid mind and, quote, a curious weakness in mathematics. Hmm. That's, I mean, something my mother never read. You were the king of math. Uh, yeah, for sure. In 1927, Fred was named assistant, assistant crown solicitor, and they moved to the new national capital in Canberra. This is where you guys are right now. He initially attended uh, Canberra Grammar School. Golf was a good student. He studied English and classics and history and Latin. At the grammar school? Yep. Was it a grammar school for girls? No, this is just, this is one with boys and girls, but not called a girls' school. Well, it sounds like they taught more than grammar, though. <laughs> He's got a point. If I may. <laughs> Goff was a, a very good student. Uh, as I said, he 
completed his leaving certificate at 16, but then his father decided he was too young to start college, so he made him go back to Canberra Grammar. From what, the beginning? <laughs> Come on, you're doing kindergarten again. What? Yeah, let's Billy Madison this shit. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so at 18, Goff landed a scholarship to St. Paul's College at the University of Sydney. He got into theater, doing some plays, a little short role in a film. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then Pearl Harbor happened. And then Pearl Harbor happened? Yeah, that's a thing. You know what that is, right? Pearl yeah, yeah. 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 Because he went to school. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yep. Learned about that. Uh, so prequel Goff- to 9-11. Go ahead. <laughs> so Goff volunteered for the Royal Australian Air Force. Okay. Uh, just before entering, he married Margaret Dovey. Uh, So, while in the RAAF, Goff became very interested in politics, and he joins the Labor Party in 1945. He unsuccessfully ran for local council twice in uh, New South Wales Legislative Assembly, and then, in 1951, Bert Lazzarini. So, he was the Labor member for uh, Werriwa, and he announced he was standing down. Okay. That means he's not doing it anymore. I understand. Not that he just was like, I'm not going to stand up anymore. He's not... Right, he's not renouncing walking. That's right. Right. No. He's retiring. Uh, so Goff won pre-selection for the seat. Uh, Lazzarini died before completing his term, so Goff was elected to the House of Representatives. So he didn't really even need to step down. No, he was... Yeah, I mean, he was... The Lord was stepping him down. Yeah. yeah. The Lord was like, you're stepping down from me. He's like, I'm quitting my job. God's like, you're, you're quitting everything. You're not going to be a human. That's over. He was crushed under the weight of his own eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They had an open eyebrow casket. <laughs> so uh, now Goff's in the House of Representatives. Now, conservatives are running uh, the show, and they have been for a long time. So Nice. Uh, Labor Party's in opposition. In 1951, the ANZUS Treaty was signed, which is a pact between the U.S., Australia, and New Zealand to end communist sympathy in Asia. Okay. We all know that worked out wonderfully. <laughs> yeah. Like, to end sympathy. We're done. That's it. We're not um, understanding anymore. Fuck you! <laughs> so it basically means that if there's an armed attack on any, or there's danger to any, they have to back each other up, and they exchange information. Okay. So despite being a, a socialist who called everyone comrade, Goff was considered to be a centrist in the 1960s Liberal pa- Labor Party. Wow. <laughs> what were the leftists like? <laughs> That's right, my friend. Just a, <laughs> just a guy covered in red. Let's yeah. go! Yeah, doing that floor dance where they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We demand the vote! (laughs) Uh, Goff was known as a progressive pragmatist and described as having a beautiful arrogance. Hmm. That's interesting. By himself? I feel like that's that's what... (laughs) You've got quite an ego. It's a beautiful arrogance. (laughs) Write that down. (laughs) That's what I have. 
Um, so over the years, he worked his way up the ranks, and he earned leadership positions. And in 1961, he became a deputy leader. And then in 1967, he became labor leader and the official leader of the opposition. He believed to gain more seats, the Labor Party needed to widen their appeal to include middle-class suburbanites. Uh, so they expanded their policies to include programs that weren't just union or worker-specific, like expanding school and university funding, childcare, universal health care, increasing pensions. And oddly, people loved this stuff, because <laughs> it's good. Hmm. Uh, so the Labor Party makes considerable gains. Interesting how that works. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. 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 As the 1970s came along, the Vietnam War was becoming increasingly unpopular. Awesome. Oh, sorry. You said unpopular? Unpopular. Hmm, strange. What? Oh, dear. <laughs> so, I'm not allowed to get. If you're listening to the podcast, I have pulled up a newspaper, uh, the news, and the headline is Student to Burn Dog as Protest. And it's a picture of a student with his dog. <laughs> and the dog doesn't look happy about it. Yeah, yeah, but look, we have to make sacrifices. Ugh. Ugh. Okay, so... How can you make that announcement? Well, how does someone... Someone's like, that sucks that that's going to happen. I would, like, murder that guy. I'd light him on fire. So he wasn't actually going to burn the dog. He was... Well, too bad. I already burned the man. <laughs> Game over. Uh, he was just doing it to get attention, to draw attention to the fact that, you know, more's bad and, you know, but it was like, it's like a, an Abby Hoffman type. It's a stunt. Thea theatrical stunt sure. type thing. But people wanted to fucking kill him. Like, he got like, death threats and like, yeah. Yeah. I'm on that guy's side. The dog's side? No. No, no, I want the dog dead. <laughs> it's classic Dave. <laughs> We, so the thing is, we don't know. If he had burned that dog, maybe Vietnam would have stopped. Actually, it does look like a Russian retriever. I'm just saying. Commie. You know what the saddest part was? That dog, that dog was saying, no war. Yeah. And you can't see that in the print. No. You <laughs> can't. No. Fucking journalist. <laughs> So, Labor Party factions are fighting over what position to take on the war. Some weren't sure how loyal Australia should be to the U.S. Not at all. Wrong. <laughs> Trust us. We got this. America's a good drunk driver. Now get in the goddamn car. <laughs> we got this. You guys can totally get, like, all of our movies and stuff. And Shut up. No, you can't. We won't TV give them to shows you. You got to trust us. And we not need back us. Shut the fuck up, Dave. You cannot back us and get all that stuff anyway. No, no, we're not giving you that. You know, that's, you're not going to get it. So hang in there. We got this. <laughs> Things are going really well. Trust <laughs> us, okay? We got this shit. Run. But the public's turning against the war, and uh, the Labor Party's anti-war faction is getting louder. So Goff promises to bring Australian troops home. In 1972, Goff campaigned for prime minister, and his election slogan, two words. It's time. Uh, so they win. 
uh, Labour Party had not been in power for 23 years. On the day his new cabinet were being sworn in, December 18, 1972, Henry Kissinger ordered the Christmas bombings across mm -hmm. Vietnam. It mm -hmm. was a nine-day campaign dropping 20,000 tons of bombs on North Vietnam, killing over 1,000 people, and targeting hospitals and other civilian spots. They didn't call it the Christmas bombing, did they? Like, that wasn't from the White House. Uh, it, no, I think it was called the Christmas bombing, wasn't it? They could not have been, like... Been on the the Merry Christmas bombing? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just... I, would, I think it's more of the Happy Holidays bombing. I yeah. just think you want to open it up to every... Well, they, they flew in sleighs and... They that enlisted is, Santa. It's uh, dark, If they dude. make him dress like Santa. Oh, I could keep going. It's dark, though. <laughs> so Goff's newly appointed trade minister was Jim Cairns. But he's a, he's a, a very well-known anti-war activist. And he condemns the bombings and says the Nixon White House was run by, quote, maniacs acting with the mentality of thuggery. What? Uh, excuse me, sir, that is our greatest president. <laughs> Bite your tongue. Trust him. And he said they had gauged in, quote, the most brutal and indiscriminate slaughter of women and children in living memory. And he was like, just wait. That's nothing. I haven't even gone into Cambodia uh, yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Goff, is uh, also furious with the bombings, but as the new prime minister, he feels like he should be restrained in public. So instead of just attacking Nixon and Kissinger in the press, he writes a, a letter to the president. Dear cunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the language is very diplomatic. But at the end, he called for the US and the North Vietnamese to return to the negotiating table and find a peace, peaceful solution. Sure. Which we already know Kissinger has undermined. Right? right. So Nixon and Kissinger, they get the letter, and they are fucking furious. This guy doesn't get it. He doesn't understand that we have a long-term strategy. <laughs> Some people don't understand you need to kill everybody in the country to win the battle. What are we in there for? Shut up. <laughs> That's right. Sorry I asked, Mr. President. You know it. <laughs> You'll get it now. So, based on his reaction, they thought Whitlam had put the USA on the same level as communist North Vietnam. And Kissinger calls the Australian embassy and just fucking starts yelling at them. And then he wrote and instructed uh, the US embassy here, quote, to convey that we are not particularly amused being put by an ally on the same level as our enemy and to have an appeal equally addressed to us and North Vietnam. Oh, sorry, he said that to the Australian embassy. And he said it, would, it was not the way to start a relationship with the U.S. and told the ambassador, quote, so I don't think we're going to reply to this message. This is to the American embassy. I don't think we're going to reply to this message. I've just talked to the president about it. But he added, this is not an official communication. Such an act taken publicly would really not have very good consequences. So he's basically saying they're just going to ghost Australia. Nice. <laughs> now, who was American's ambassador in Australia at the time? 
Well, his name is ex-CIA, protege and key aide to Henry Kissinger. Jesus. In 1961, he was a senior U.S. diplomat in South Korea when a coup toppled the democratically elected government. He was in Greece for the coup by a right-wing junta. I thought you were going to say the musical. (laughs) (laughs) Seemed impossible. He was the ambassador to Indonesia when an anti-communist coup installed President Suharto, which led to genocide. From 69 to 73, he was Secretary of State for East Asian and Pacific Affairs. So when he arrived in Australia, he had a reputation as a coup master and was appointed because of, his, of U.S. concern over the election of Gough Whitlam. So he, he was, this asshole was put in just because of the election of Gough. Yeah, because okay. Goff's they a were like, dirty commie. Right, because he's like, we can coup Australia. <laughs> no. <laughs> Shut the fuck You gotta love us. <laughs> we are incorrigible. We're just everywhere. <laughs> so a few days after, um, after Nixon and Kissinger had gotten that letter from Whitlam, um, they talked on the phone, and of course, it's recorded because Nixon's Cause Nixon fucking was crazy. Out of his mic, Nixon was an idiot. He was the Quincy Jones of the White House. He was like, let's do it from the top. One more. (laughs) We've got to kill him. Uh, Nixon calls Whitlam a peacenik. A what? A peacenik. Okay. Who is taking Australia, quote, down a very, very dangerous path. (laughs) The idea, it's like, that should be validating to any country if Nixon's like, you're kind of doing bad. It's like, great, okay, we're on the right track. This is very validating. Uh, Kissinger says that they should freeze out Whitlam for a few months. Quote, he'll get the message. After all, they need us a hell of a lot more than we need them. (laughs) (laughs) Just flashing back to some boyfriends I've had. Yeah. You know? Uh, We are, like the world's worst boyfriend country. <laughs> yeah, we really are. We just don't do anything. And we're like, oh, come on, fuck me. It's like, oh, Jesus, this guy. <laughs> come on, what are you mad about? I hit your dad. Uh, and so that's what they did. They never replied to the letter. So for months, there's no contact between the Australian ambassador and the State Department. And Kissinger read... All the cables between the Australian Embassy and Canberra and Nixon refused to invite Whitlam to the White House. Uh, And U.S. officials hinted that the ANZUS Treaty could be torn up. (laughs) According to a diplomat, Nixon, quote, elevated Australia to number two place on his shit list. (laughs) Again, so validating. The fact... the fact that he had an actual shit list is so amazing. He had a shit list of countries and of people. Yeah. He was like, we're going to kill John Lennon. People are like, exactly, Richard. You get it. You know how being the president works. Call up Mexico. You're moving up to two. 
Yeah, and by, by the way, if Austria, if Australia is not like responding in any way, that if you, in that situation that drives you crazier. You're just going like, did they, did they notice we didn't respond? <laughs> <laughs> Turn off the lights. That's right. <laughs> Fly a plane and skywrite your number two on the shit list. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is with these people? I don't know. They're just out of their minds. So weird of them. Um, Nixon refused to send Australia a Christmas card that year. <laughs> it's not the worst Christmas activity from the White House. You know what? No. <laughs> no, they don't get one this year. That'll show them. We got that adorable picture of Hank and I laying under the tree. Yes, that would uh, leave a big spot on their shelf where we will not be. <laughs> Happy holidays from the war criminals. Uh, so, as prime minister, Goff refused... I'm just going to picture him in those shoes for the rest of the show, yeah, by yeah. the way. Yeah, he doesn't have... There's no way he has shoes on there. And his jellies. So, as Prime Minister Goff uh, is, is pursuing the social programs that he campaigned on, right? Universal health care, abolishing university fees, Aboriginal land rights legislation. So, wait, he, sorry, he campaigned on this stuff, and then he's, the, what did you say? He's following? Yeah, he's pursuing, he's trying to then enact them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I understand, but I'll see where this is going. He's, okay, go ahead, keep going. I just, seems kind of silly. <laughs> uh, so he's also trying to get ownership of Australia's natural resources, but the Labor Party has a majority in the House of Representatives. They do not have a majority in the Senate. Mm. So Goff wants Australia to become an independent state, no longer subservient to the Queen, and the old country, or to be America's lapdog. He wanted to abolish royal patronage and appeals to the Privy Council, which kept the legislature tied to Britain. Okay, which, again, I mean, come on, what a, you got, you're attached to two winners. <laughs> well, what are you doing? Don't need to shake it off. You got a good thing going. Get the Queen and Nixon? Good Lord. <laughs> it's an embarrassment of bitches, riches. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, um, he also moved Australia towards the non-aligned movement, which is a way of trying to avoid taking sides in the Cold War. Okay. Eventually, you guys figured it out, obviously. He supported zones of peace and opposed nuclear weapons testing. So I hate to be in Nixon's defense. Hmm, finally. <laughs> 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 but it does sound like he was a bit of a peacenik. I don't know. Was he a peacenik, Dave? Was he a what? A peacenik? Uh, yeah, it sounds like he's a peacenik. Yeah. I think he nailed him on that. Look, bad guy, Nixon. Right on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Give, give that one to Nixon. <laughs> uh, 
An American commentator observed that Australia as a nation, quote, reversed its posture in international affairs so totally without going through a domestic revolution. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, they just voted in a new guy. Yeah, they just like, yeah, they, like, they voted for someone and then the person was doing it. And they're like, how the fuck did that happen? <laughs> What's going on over there? There's no effigies or Molotov cocktails? How did the... So, the um, communist prime minister of Yugoslavia was planning... Yes. It is my time to enter the tale. <laughs> I've been quiet long enough. I was born sad. Uh, so, he's planning to come in Australia. Now, there have been terrorist activity, including bombings from right-wing Croatians, so there's concerns about his safety when he's in Australia. So the Attorney General asked Australian Security Services, known as the ASIO, about any plots against the Yugoslav PM. ASIO. What? ASIO. ASIO? Yeah. We're going to call it ASIO? I mean, we do. (laughs) I don't know why. It's just that's what we do. It's fine. Yeah. We call the CIA Kia. Except in Italy, then it's Chaya. <laughs> so, sorry, just to be clear, which attorney general is calling on his behalf the Yugoslavian attorney general? That, no, that's the Yugoslavian prime minister. Correct, but who is, what, what attorney general is worried about his Australia's state? attorney general. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So Whitlam's attorney general. Okay, gotcha. Is like... Keep, are there any... Well, let's, who, who do you have, who's your list of guys that we need to be worried about in right. Australia? Right, um, Any plots against him? right. But what the fuck? There's a baby here? <laughs> that better have just been born. Otherwise, that is a crazy decision. <laughs> that literally better be popping out right now. Otherwise, what the fuck is going on? Who's like, I'm going to bring a baby to a dollop show. <laughs> it's going to end up looking like that. <laughs> Shh. Shut the fuck up. The sitter canceled. So ACO, is that what we're calling it? ACO? <laughs> yeah. It's what we call it, yeah. Okay, so ACO. So they don't give the AG much information. Or should I say they give him different information? He asks for the files of the six most dangerous people in Australia who could be a threat to the Yugoslavian PM. And ACO sends files of Communist Party union members who are peace activists. Known for their dangerous ways. Yeah. <laughs> of course, they're going to kill the commie. Right, yeah. So the Attorney General concludes that ACO are either hiding information or they're completely incompetent. And he. And Couldn't then... it be both? Are you, are you telling me that a group that handles international and domestic security might be fucking dumb? Are you? No way. That can't be. So, he, he 
he knows they're biased, obviously, because they gave him a list of communists, right? Um, and ignored the threats from the right, which is who he's worried about. So right. he believes that it's a government agency and they have to be accountable to their minister, right? So he decides to raid ACO. Razio. <laughs> Crazio. <laughs> so the police... Storm and raid their Canberra and Melbourne offices. This is the only time in history this has ever happened. That seems very strange. It's a little over the top. Who are they? They're us. What? <laughs> Our enemies. Huh? But also, wouldn't ASIO know they were coming? <laughs> yeah. Of course they didn't. <laughs> So, they don't find anything conclusive when they look through everything. But now ACO are fucking furious. Why? (laughs) And they're not the only ones. The White House now thinks the Austrian Attorney General is a communist sympathizer and that they can't trust him with secrets. Right, okay. So... Which is good. (laughs) I mean, Very they're already good. on the shit list, though. Why, they, they're like, they're, it's, like, it's like going on an ex's Facebook. It's like, look, you're saying you don't give a fuck, and they're like, what are they doing? Well, well they're really fucking up over there. <laughs> you don't care. <laughs> so, now the ANSYS Treaty, like I said, is an intelligent sharing relationship with ACO and the CIA. Also, ACO holds Australian and American secrets... And now the CIA thinks the Attorney General's raid is a really serious violation. Wait, America has nothing to hide. (laughs) (laughs) Very open about what we do, especially Nixon. (laughs) And so they're like, Whitlam's government can't be trusted. In an interview years later with uh, journalist Ray Martin, then boss of counterintelligence, uh... James Jesus Angleton, known as the Ghost. Sorry, this man's... Why didn't he go by his middle name? <laughs> James Jesus? Known as the Ghost? He's known as the Ghost. If he's, he's almost the Holy Trinity. <laughs> so, this is what he said. He said the raid caused a crisis. Quote, Relationships are delicate. It is a tender plant that needs nourishment. It needs mutual confidentiality. When we saw this Whitlam government come into power and this attorney general blowing in, barging in, we were deeply concerned as to the sanctity of information. So the CIA... really lost that plant analogy pretty quickly. He said it's like a plant, right? Yeah, yeah, he, he did He's some... Like, it's uh, like a plant. It needs to be nurtured, and also it needs to understand that we're in fucking charge. <laughs> and if it fucking tells anyone what we said... We're going to kill the fucking plant. <laughs> yeah. We will kill this plant. <laughs> now, fuck this plant! And then he stepped on an eggplant. That's what you get. <laughs> like if he was talking about an eggplant. This plant here. My favorite plant. The egg. So in 1966, as part of the ANZUS Treaty, 
Australia allowed the United States to build a surveillance satellite base known as Pine Gap. As what? Pine Gap. Okay. There's a television show about it. <laughs> I haven't been able to bring myself to watch it. Can I only imagine how horrifying it is? Hmm. But um, it sure is. You just can't like, watch We something. save the world from here. Uh, they call it Australia's Area 51. Is that? Is that? A lot, yeah. of, a lot like, of UFO sightings are out, oh, around there. Oh, really? Okay. Mm. Okay. So it's right in the middle of Australia. It's like right in the middle. <laughs> um, and its activities kept quiet. Sure. Super so they just were like, just make it like eight balloons. Yeah. <laughs> no one can know. That's right. And I, I don't know if you're trying to tell, I'm really trying to force an alien thread into this. I know it's not probably what you're intended, but I assume this ends in aliens. I just want to plant, like the egg, I want to plant it now. Actually, it looks like a bunch of planted eggs. Yeah. <laughs> We're ready for the alien twist whenever, <laughs> Doctor. Please continue. <laughs> The deal was that any information the U.S. gathered from their operations at Pine Gap, they would share with Australia's secret services. But it's so secret that not even the prime minister knows what's going on there. That is so fucking crazy. It's called that, democracy, dumbass. It's, it's also so similar to our situation, yeah. where it's just like, the president can't know. He's not in charge. We are. Uh, whoopsie. Yeah. So the site has a 10-year lease, which is amazing to me. Right, they, like the landlord's like, no, nah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm looking to get someone for 10 years. I got a bunch of people who want to rent this space out. <laughs> if you're not going to sign on for 10, plus security, first and last. Is... There's, a, there's a, a, a kid's balloon event thing that wants to do a thing there. Utilities included. Uh... I'll walk for I, You know what? I get a good feeling from you guys. Let me do the credit check, and then we'll see where we're at. <laughs> so it had to be renego renegotiated before 1976. So Goff wants to know what the fuck is going on there. What, you mean, why? Because he's in charge of everything? <laughs> he wants to know if it's a CIA base. If so, why should Australia allow it to continue? And he publicly is wondering this and whether it's undermining Australia's sovereignty. It is. <laughs> Which now further increases tensions between the CIA and Whitlam's government. Right. I mean, essentially, they now view this as like a fucking commie takeover. Yeah, it's, I, I mean... 100%. Well, but it's also like another one of our, like, we're on the, like, quiet coup train right now. <laughs> we're just dipping our toe in the swimming coup. <laughs> oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, 
Bristol September 22nd and Cardiff September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide November 16th. Canberra, November 17th, Brisbane, November 18th, and then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, this same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. So, like, only the U.S. is like, you know, I don't trust them. Put a bunch of balloons we can live in over there. <laughs> Put a bunch of info balloons over there. So, do you remember a fella named Christopher the Falcon Boyce? From such podcasts as The Dollop, number 392, and the movie The Falcon and the Snowman? Oh, fuck. This <laughs> guy's... What well, a legend. He said that he turned against the United States because while he was working for a defense contractor, he knew the Americans were not passing information to Australia that they were getting at Pine Gap. Okay. He also overheard CIA agents talking shit about Whitlam's government. (laughs) They were doing the accents, let's be honest. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) They they talk like this. God, I might. That's yes. Yeah. Hello, Governor. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, standing no. O- a standing ovation. No. Wow. <laughs> so, so now we know there was and is a U.S. spying operation at Pine Gap because a fellow named Edward Snowden described it as the operation that allows the U.S. to spy on everyone. So this is a fucking huge CIA operation. Right. And they want to continue and they want it to be kept secret. So, now, back to politics, not having control of the Senate is causing Goff a lot of problems. They keep blocking his legislation. So he called for what is uh, called a double dissolution election, which means an election of all seats. Usually they do half the seats, but they just like clean house and all seats. What? You can just do that? Yeah, I don't. This, it's crazy. That's but awesome. That's an awesome rule. It's that's awesome. Like, that's like you're all in. You're like, I'm yeah. all in. Let's see. Yeah. Let's fucking do this. It's what do you the, got? Ah, fuck it. Yeah. Um, our system's much better. Yeah, ours is. <laughs> no term limits. You can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, got, we got it nailed. You, what you guys need is a body of old people who'd stay there till they die. A duopoly. It's really. So he wins. So. They kept the lower house. They gained five Senate seats. So the Senate is now 50-50. Okay. So they don't have a majority, but it's a lot better than it was. So Whitlam now needs to appoint his new governor general. Uh, governor general is the queen's representative in Australia. 
the queen's rep. Uh, that's so awkward. It's like the babysitter. But the prime minister appoints the governor general. Okay, that seems like another strange twist. They're supposed to act on advice of the prime minister, and usually who doesn't want to be part of the like doesn't wants the queen out basically. Yeah, he wants to not so, be okay. So who does he pick? So usually the <laughs> governor general is not at all involved in politics. It's like a ceremonial role that gives royal assent to legislation. He cuts ribbons. He lives in a large house like the queen. Like it's just like it's ceremonial. It's another bullshit. fake job. So Goss first choice is a guy named Ken Meyer, and he doesn't want it. He passes. <laughs> so then he offers it to a former high court judge named Sir John Kerr. You don't like the penguin? It's your deal. <laughs> you <laughs> haven't even heard about him yet. Gonna get so nobody likes the penguin. <laughs> so in his early life, John Kerr had been a union guy, and some believed uh, a Marxist. He had involved in strikes. He had been involved in the general strike of 1917. But then, after World War II, he became very anti-communist and became part of a group called the Australian Association of Cultural Freedom. Hmm. Described by Jonathan Quitney of the Wall Street Journal as being, quote, an elite invitation-only group exposed in Congress as being founded, funded, and generally run by the CIA. Uh, it's just everything. In my mind, it's the cult from Eyes Wide Shut. Hmm. And they're all just naked except for masks. <laughs> I think that's very different than what's going on. <laughs> we can agree to disagree. But I also can't, like, it's the CIA. It could exactly. be. Exactly. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. definitely doing some weird shit. Yeah. Except if it's the CIA, then nobody comes and they end up fucking curtains. Like, it doesn't... Well, then they're coming. Mm. Trust me. <laughs> so he's intimately working with the CIA. <laughs> you mean he's banging them? <laughs> I told you. You were right. I did. Right? You doubted her. You laughed. You didn't know about AZ, you didn't know about this. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> that was good. <laughs> and Christopher the Falcon Boyce heard CIA, CIA agents calling Kerr our man Kerr. Hmm. That's a bit of a tell. So he is a pure CIA guy. Willen seems to have thought because of his past as a party, la la party Labor Party member, Kerr was okay. Like he did not investigate Kerr. So what? That's he a also real misstep. He also doesn't think it's a very big deal. He's like, what's, it's well, just still, a fucking... I mean, if it even, I mean, I guess, yeah. It's like a the ceremonial guy role. Just, the guy's just supposed to be like, this is what the prime I know, but still, you don't go like, eh, look, the penguin. How bad can he be? Yeah. Yeah, he's the penguin. <laughs> we all have a thing, right? Well, he likes, a thing. Right? He's a little umbrella thing. He's always got nerve gas. Whatever, he's a cutie. You can go like that. Keep him at arm's length. <laughs> all right, stinker. Nice try, you little rascal. <laughs> now, aside from being a crazy conservative... Uh, Kerr is also known as a drunk in the circles he traveled in, like the Supreme Court. 
I mean, that's why you vet someone a little bit. He's like, oh, he works for the CIA and is an alcoholic. Mm. Yeah, come on. It's <laughs> the worst that can happen. What can go wrong? Yeah. It's a good way to get the secrets out, though. So, between discussions to appoint him and when he was actually announced as the governor general, the queen knights him. Okay. So, Kerr's basically the queen's bitch. Like, he's just all up in queenness. <laughs> you work for me. You're mine. Yes. <laughs> you little penguin man. Yes, that's right, you little penguin. We've got chocolates named after you. <laughs> yes. I'm going to live another hundred years from the day this is taken. I can't die. Or maybe I've been dead for years. Maybe both. You really should be able to kill them and then become the king or queen. Dave's been I pushing this. I say this, this all the time, but why aren't those the rules? That's what it used to be. I know. Why can't we still do it? Well, Dave, uh, what, I don't remember when you pushed this recently, but you sure pushed it hard. You're going to be on a but list. It's the rules. You kill the king, you get to be the king. That's what it's always been. I, like, it definitely, like, if that were the deal, that would, I would be way more in favor of a royal family. Like, because then you'd just be like, wait, who is it? Be like, this dude. It's just this fucking crazy, this American <laughs> dude. He's a podcast, I guess. <laughs> What's he want to do? I don't, he's nuts. I don't know. I haven't, from what I hear, he's crazy. <laughs> so... Uh, in his time as governor general, in, his, in the entire time he was governor general, Kerr wrote 212 letters to the queen. Oh, get over it, dude. Uh, Relax. She doesn't like you like that, yeah, dude. Yeah, enough. Let her answer a text before you fucking slam it again. He's like, yeah. you up? You okay? Maybe tomorrow. Did you sleep okay? Just text me back so I know you're all right. Hey. <laughs> Sorry to blow you up. Did you see this article? <laughs> Did you change your number? Okay, I get it. I'll leave you alone. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the, the normal gover governor general writes to the queen quarterly just to report on Australia. Right. But this guy is just like... One a day. I mean, I read one, and it was just like, my wife's sick, and it's two pages of just how things are going with his wife. Have you tried this gin? Oh, my God. I will say, right, he's in Canberra in the 70s. That's fair. What else is he going to do? I mean, imagine working for him. Come in here. I want to write another letter to the queen. Like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Just trying to force a nickname? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're cool if I call you Queenie, right? Queenie? Lizzo? <laughs> It'll be big in a few years, don't worry. <laughs> Kerr once wrote four letters in one day. What? what I, that, these are letters. It's not email. Yeah, but he's like, that's fucking... that's one batch. He's shit-faced. He probably didn't remember writing the first <laughs> one. That's what I'm saying. So he's just... He's just stacking letters. Well, now it's time for my... It's her lunch letter. I discovered gin. <laughs> Had a piss right back. 
His longest letter was 11 pages with 43 pages of attachments. Sorry, Dave. That's a 54-page letter. <laughs> this postman must have been like the Hulk. <laughs> what? And she's just not writing back. Well, her secretary is reading all of it, mostly. <laughs> this and out of his mind. This, or she's probably reading some of it. We don't really know exactly. This one has hair clippings in it. <laughs> this one's just one shoe. <laughs> What's with this guy? <laughs> it's like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Yeah. Edit. <laughs> he... So Kerr is an avowed monarchist. He loves the monarchy. He often bragged about... It doesn't show. <laughs> he would brag about his access to the queen. He wrote in his diary about his close relationship with Prince Charles, who he probably talked to once or twice in his life. So, so he's this lying guy, to his diary. Yeah, right. He's got a liary. So this guy, just out of his goddamn mind, and just kind of, it's focused on the royal family. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty phenomenal. Prince Charles is one of my best friends. Dear diary. <laughs> and the letters show that he hated Whitlam. So... Kerr is embarrassed and humiliated that he has to do his job, which is to report to the queen about what the prime minister tells him to do. And his first letter to the queen on August 15, 1974, he talked shit about Willem and distanced himself from the government's progressive agenda. The government who appointed him, who he's supposed to be taking advice from. But that is, a, I mean, that again, that it's like, you know, that's a, that's a self, like that's on, I mean, a little bit on golf for just, like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. you're all good, man, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he blew it by yeah. appointing this guy, clearly. So, but again, it's a ceremonial position. Right, I know, so, yeah, right. Okay, so now scandals are starting to become a problem in Gulf's government. Uh, Jim Karen, uh, the anti-war guy, um, he's now the treasurer, and he hired a woman to be his chief of staff. So there's a lot of backlash, uh, a lot of attacks on her, obviously some sexism, some racism. In Australia. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> the obviously. Obviously there's some sexism, there's some racism. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. obvious. We call it Bloody Monday, mate. <laughs> I think this is the only country that has beach Nazis. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so there were also photos of her in swimsuits and papers and questions about her heritage so they're really doing a number on her but the, one of the other problems is that these two were 100% definitely fucking so probably not a great idea to hire her at what? They're probably not a great idea to, to hire her right right yeah probably so it's just scandals like this and Whitlam would later describe some of his ministers as quote hopeless <laughs> so the government planned to nationalize mining and resources, or at least bring them into the hands of Australian companies, uh, which is what they tried to do in Chile, and that didn't. Uh, so it's a shit show. It's not going well. The resources minister gets a loan to do it. And through a series of really 
bad moves, the government becomes entwined with a dodgy financial broker and con man named Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. What? I'm not saying you hire or fire based on appearance, but come on. You can't, that, if that guy's dirty, you're like, they'll know. Oh, my God. Yeah, don't worry. We'll figure it out. Don't worry. They're not going to know nothing happened, okay? If they keep asking questions, then we make them and not be able to ask anymore, okay? <laughs> By the way, you know you can put bronzer on every part of your head? <laughs> Hair, eyeballs, <laughs> mouth. Uh. Oh, <laughs> oh my lips. You can really bronze your lips if you try, okay? This is me wildly editorializing, but I, I don't trust anyone who has to have those thing, those bands around their glasses. If someone oh. tries to take them, it ain't <laughs> happening. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah. Uh, so his name is uh, Tirat Kemlani, and he pitched himself as a middleman who could get Australia a $4 billion loan from King Faisal of Saudi Arabia. He get you a $4 billion loan by tonight. No problemo. You want five, you got it, huh? <laughs> so that is just a shit show. Uh, the resources manager has to resign. Now, the new leader of the opposition, Malcolm Fraser, he, he uses the scandals and all the problems to block the supply in the Senate. So that means the Senate wouldn't approve any money for the government. They literally right. can't fund anything they want to do. Right. So Whitlam is stuck. So he starts discussing with Kerr possibly calling a half-Senate election. Okay. And then that could tip the balance in their favor, and they could finally be able to truly change Australia for the better. So on November 11, 1975, Whitlam made an appointment to see Kerr. Now at this point, Kerr is totally paranoid. Whitlam said Kerr had been... Had been just, it's just a ceremonial role. Like, this dude is just like... <laughs> well, he's a drunk. Yeah, I know, but it's like he's just... Like, he's supposed to write a letter four times a year. <laughs> he's just like, oh, God, they're coming after me. <laughs> they know, tell them I'm not here. <laughs> they can't know. Well, he had been hospitalized... Whit Whitlam says Kerr had been hospitalized twice in 1975 to dry For out. So he's convinced Goff is going to sack him. Sure. But remember, he, he is a CIA guy. Yeah. He's the Queen's man. Mm -hmm. He's got a lot of good stuff going for him. Well, and he's a piss pig. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a better nickname. <laughs> He tells uh, the Queen and Prince Charles that they, he thinks he's going to get fired. The Queen's secretary said that she, quote, would take most unkindly to Kerr's sacking and that she would try to delay Whitlam if she could. 
So the prime minister does call elections, but they have to be signed off by the queen's rep. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so dumb. So Whitlam goes to Kerr's office to hand him a letter calling an election for Kerr to sign. But Kerr refuses to take it. Instead, he hands a letter to Whitlam stating the prime minister and his government had been dismissed. I am sorry. And he's like, what are you, drunk? I'm, I'm sorry, no. I know you're drunk. What are you, high? What are you doing? <laughs> you smelt dismissed with seven Zs. <laughs> you are fine. It's not, okay. And he's like, what yes. the fuck is this? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. What? Read Read this letter here. Dear Your Majesty, sometimes I sleep in a tub and dream of... Not that one, this one, sorry. <laughs> this one. This one is the one I need you to read. Uh, this one says, I've seen Prince Charles in my dream. Give it back. Give it back. And the flower petals that were inside of it. Here's the letter I demand that you read. Foolish prime minister. Read it aloud as you have the previous letters. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to read it aloud. That one's just hair, isn't it? <laughs> Can you come back in a little bit when I I have a lot? I write her a letter every meal. Some get sent, some don't. I'll just tell you what the letter said. Does that sound better? If I... So, the prime minister and his government have been dismissed by the governor general. Liberal leader Malcolm Fraser, a.k.a. the twat, twat, was to become prime minister of a caretaker government until an election could be held. I mean, it's amazing, these little loopholes that live within the system that are just like, whenever they're ready, they're just like, yeah, fuck that. Did I mention that there's a, a, a coup guy here? In the American embassy, who's known as the coup king? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did mention that. Yeah, the coup guy, yeah. Yeah. I'm in the eggplant. Cuckoo, cachoo, cuckoo, cachoo. <laughs> so on the day Whitlam was sacked, it suggested that Goff was going to reveal the identity of a CIA agent under the protection of parliamentary privilege, which the CIA would really not have been into. And the CIA has a history of removing left-wingers when governments start trying to remove American influence from the country. <laughs> Chile, who knows? There's no direct evidence, but there's patterns. It's a vibe. Yeah, it's a vibe thing. The House representatives moved a vote of no confidence against Frazier and passed a motion declaring that the governor general's actions should be overturned. Okay. 
So the Speaker of the and House. And he was like, what actions? <laughs> oh, yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> um, so the Speaker of the House goes to Kerr to deliver the motion, right, that was just passed, but Kerr does not let him in. <laughs> so it's like a subpoena where it's like if you don't give it to him, it didn't happen? So he's not just like behind the curtains, just like... <laughs> <laughs> Well, he keeps him outside of his office waiting for an hour. I mean, it's the fucking government. He's like, well, I got somewhere to be, so I can't. How long am I expected to wait here? Well, the reason he did that is because he took that hour to dissolve parliament. It's like an Alka-Seltzer? <laughs> so by the time he opened the door to see the Speaker of the House... There was no longer a house for him to be speaker of. <laughs> it was over. It was a coup. What? What's an actual what? The Queen's secretary had told Kerr, as far as Buckingham Palace was concerned, the Governor General did have the power to dissolve Parliament. What? <sighs> So they're not just a powerless family that lives in a mansion. Well, yeah. I mean, it's... They're it's, dissolving the government. It's like, it's like, it's the same thing that happened, has been happening in the U.S. It's essentially a gentleman's agreement that you'll all do government together. But the right wing doesn't play by those rules. And they never fucking will. So if you give them a loophole... They'll yeah. take it. Yeah. Mm. Pretty cool. <laughs> you guys, I've been thinking, the moral of the story is we're all right wing now, right? Like, we're all, we're all oh, going to yeah. do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I feel like the aliens are about to enter the story, to be honest with you. It's like Chekhov's gun, you know? You mentioned it at the beginning. It's got to be used in the yeah, end. That's right. Seed's been planted. Yeah. I mean, he didn't mention it. Obviously, I did. But I think it, when I look back, I think he mentioned it too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kerr told Whitlam, "Quote: We will all have to live with this." And Whitlam said, "You certainly will." And then I'll. Help I don't even remember it. How's <laughs> <laughs> that for you? Read this letter aloud. No. And then I'll help Brock loose. Uh, Whitlam, uh, his people found out, his supporters, um, they swarmed the steps of Parliament House. Goff emerged to cheers and anger because, well, they had just undermined democracy. And he said some of those famous words in Australian political history, quote, well may we say God save the Queen because nothing will save the Governor General. Fucking penguin. <laughs> now it turns out, Kerr had first raised the possibility of using his power to dismiss the government in July 1975 in a letter to the Queen, five months before the dismissal, and four months before the supply block of the Senate, which is what he used to justify his actions. It was a power that had never been used and was considered defunct by many legal experts. 
So another election was held, the third in four years, but this time the liberals under Malcolm Fraser won in a landslide. How the fuck? I cannot fucking believe. Oh. So, right after Whitlam's government had that huge negative reaction to the bombing of Hanoi, a guy named Sir Frank Packer Managing director and major shareholder of the Australian Consolidated Press sent word to Nixon that he had Nixon's back. Packer's rep, quote, offered Nixon any use he may like of Packer's magazines and network. We'll give you Women's Weekly if you need. K-Zone, children's magazine. It's all yours, mate. Perfect. That's perfect. You know those Sudoku puzzles you buy at the petrol station? Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're yours. <laughs> so Nixon didn't even have to ask him for help. He went straight out and offered it. Packer volunteered all his media, so... Frank died in 1974, though, and his son Kerry took over. It's crazy how binge drinking really shaped a generation, isn't it? I mean, it? it's like... So, when Fraser was installed as prime minister, one of his first calls was to Kerry Packer, who immediately went to Canberra to give Fraser, quote, a great deal of moral support which continued throughout the election campaign. That's the hand stuff we mentioned at the beginning. <laughs> that tracks. Yeah. So while to us it would seem like, well, they would be upset and blah, 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 the media did a job, as the media always does, because the media, yeah, these guys culpable. are rich and they're right wing. Yeah, right. Did you feel good? Uh, I'm, I, I'm just letting you, like, get past that part. I cannot fucking believe... I mean... It's just fucking crazy. For years, when asked, both John Kerr and Malcolm Fraser maintained that Fraser didn't know what was about to happen before the dismissal. He was not given prior warning before the Prime Minister. To have done so would have been unconstitutional. <laughs> and, boy... There's nothing they respect more. Years later, Frazier admitted that Kerr called him to make a deal before he sacked Whitlam, despite uh, both of them insisting otherwise. What the fuck? This is still considered the most dramatic and controversial event in Australia's political history, even more so than Tony Abbott eating a raw onion. <laughs> in 2000. And that's where the lizard people aliens thing comes in. Finally. Kerr quickly began having problems with Fraser. In 1976, a drunk Kerr fell down at the Tamsworth show, which is at the, <laughs> at the what? It's like a, a big agricultural event. Yeah, like, uh, like a county fair. It's like uh, the... CW, Country Women's Association have their scone display. Okay. And then there's like, best cow. 
best shape. So he best was trying to pig. like right, and that was him. <laughs> yeah. Well, he didn't win that year, unfortunately. Yeah. No. And he fell down drunk. Yeah, he was so drunk he fell down. In 1977. Dear Queen, I got a story for God. He's still writing me. <laughs> Enough's enough. <laughs> I fell on a piggy. <laughs> and his letters to the Queen are now. I don't think Malcolm likes me. Like they're really. So. I will say, falling down at the uh, at the Tamworth show is what a Governor General should be doing. Like in this whole story, right. that's the, I'm it's like, like a, yeah, that's what you should be, you should be probably bending down to give it a little kiss and then, and then toppling over. Right. Rather yeah. than I mean, ideally the government. Right, ideally the person is not hammered, but yeah, it's like a performative role of yeah. like, yeah, you show up to like fairs and you're like, oh, what a good pie. Exactly. Yeah, but instead he's like, you're no longer in charge of the country. Yeah. In 1977, Goff was invited to dine with the Queen and declined because Kerr was going to be there. Wait, Kerr, he, he, Goff was going to meet with the Queen? Yeah, he was invited to dine with her, and he said no. And the only reason was Kerr? I'd be like, nah, I get, I'm not really a big fan of yours, honestly. I don't, he doesn't know at this point that the oh, Queen... Oh, he doesn't had, know? No, that, oh. no, no, no. That, came, that comes later. Oh, no okay. one knows. Um, <laughs> okay, but still, the Queen was like going through her invitation list... Yes, golf should come. Kerr, sat next to each other, should be fine. <laughs> oh, I love a bit of drama. <laughs> uh, Kerr was removed by Fraser in 1977. He whined and cried to the Queen as their relationship deteriorated. In his last public outing as Governor General, he was booed and clearly drunk. I think it was like a, a Melbourne race uh, of some kind, but he was like, that's the picture that I showed earlier where he just looks shit-faced. Like, yeah, right. Uh, he apparently just gives a completely shit-faced Where he speech. looks like Harpo Marx. Yeah. Is that at like a Melbourne Cup or something like that? A what? Is that at like the M Melbourne Cup or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he was at the Melbourne Cup. Right. I, I imagine he's like most girls at the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> just two bottles of fizzy Chardonnay in the toilet. Vomiting, coming out and being like, where's Michael? Take me to McDonald's. <laughs> Someone hold my wig. <laughs> Don't be a slut. Dance with me. <laughs> it's just like, sorry. The idea that it ends up with him just getting, like, booed publicly, like, that is what is so fucking obnoxious about all that shit always. It's like, you know, he should be, like, thrown off a bridge. Yeah. And, like, send a message of, like, well, you know, this can't, you can't do this shit, but instead it's, you know, they get to live their, their lives. Right. They get to live their lives when, which is... They shouldn't be allowed to. I mean, no. They don't learn their lesson unless they don't live their life. <laughs> yeah. It's I what's going to make you such a just king. Sorry. I will say it's very Australian, right? For, to not throw them off a bridge. Right. It's also very, I mean, it's very American. Very too. American. I mean, yeah. we, yeah. we but 
But for us to not even really, just to be like, oh, I don't like that guy. Boo. Yeah, got him. <laughs> he won't be leaving his home for a bit. That's us too. I mean, we're, we're just like, man, if only that guy hit George W. Bush with that boot. It's like, the dude should be hanged. <laughs> if anyone from ASIO or the CIA is in tonight, I distance myself from those comments. <laughs> and, and I, I bring them the closer. And I cool. bring them in closer for a hug. <laughs> so uh, his last public appearance while drunk, Whitland described in uh, his autobiography saying that Kerr was like Caligula, quote, Weaving his way down from the imperial box and making his merry remarks to the owner, the fascinated crowd, and a million v viewers who may have thought that the horse would have made a better pro-council. Certainly would have written less letters to the queen. <laughs> but the problem is the queen's probably related to a horse somewhere in the genealogy. <laughs> At least tooth-wise. Mm. Uh, when his time was up as general counsel, Kerr spent the remaining, his remaining years in exile in England where he was welcomed as a hero by the conservative party elites and revered by a group of young liberals known as the gang, which included George Brandis, who would later be attorney general under Tony Abbott. Brandis considered Kerr to be the real victim of the dismissal. I'm sorry. What the fuck? <laughs> you can't bloody say anything anymore. You know, you can't dismiss a fucking government. Yeah. You can't get on the piss for four days straight, write a bunch of insane letters to the Queen, and dismiss a fucking government without cancel culture. Cancel culture. And the PC police jumping down. The white man's throat. And I said it, and no, I said it. No, you're right. It. You're absolutely right. It's cancel culture. Yeah. It's 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I feel dirty. Kerr died in 1991 at the age of 76 in Sydney. Somehow Malcolm Fraser and Gough Whitlam became friends later in life. Ah, oh, fuck. I, this part, this shit I fucking hate. They campaigned together against the cruel refugee policies of John Howard, along with criticizing anti-terror laws that eroded civil liberties and promoting the campaign to make Australia a republic. Uh, Goff died in uh, 2014 at the age of 98. Uh, Malcolm Fraser died six months later. With an Australian Federation election coming up, let's remember Whitlam's other words on Parliament on November 11, 1975. Maintain your rage and enthusiasm and vote these fucking assholes out of office. That uh, is shocking. Could that happen again? Well, they didn't, you guys didn't get rid of him, right? It's the same thing as, you know, I don't know if you were watching California, but like 10% of our population signed up for a recall, so we had a recall, and then yeah. we had to run the governor against a, just a right-wing fucking lunatic. 
California hasn't gotten rid of that. Like, there's shit you just need to fucking clean up. And this guy, it can still happen, right? Yeah, so they did a coup because they could, and then nobody did anything. So it yeah. will happen again unless that's well, gone. Do you We're- know what's crazy, right? You learn about the dismissal in high school, like it's part of Australian history. It's never been posited to me that it's been a coup. You know what I mean? It's in the history. I don't know if anyone else here has felt the same, but the way it's like you study it is it's like, oh, the bloody government wasn't doing so good, so the Queen had to oust him. Like, right. that's how it's... That's literally the first time I've ever heard about Kerr or the um, CIA involvement at all. Like, this is a, revol- a it, revolution. Um, the research was done by uh, uh, Aussie, uh, Charlotte George. Uh, sources... Uh, Gough Whitlam, A Moment of History by Jenny Hawking, A Secret Country, The Hidden Australia by John Pilger, uh, Beckley Post, Herald, Crikey.com. Yeah. Excuse me? Crikey.com. Don't worry about it. Uh, I assume all the podcasts that we do here are from there. uh, The Guardian, The Intercept, uh, and then Hawking, Jenny Hawking, The Dismissal dossier, Jenny Hawking in the Palace Letters, James Curran, Unholy Fury, Whitlam and Nixon at War, uh, the podcast The 11th by Alex Marr for the ABC, uh, and yeah. It's and actually then, pronounced Abk. <laughs> He's got fucking time to say those letters, mate. Give it up for Jen Frick, our guest tonight, everybody. Thank you, Cameron. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your night.